morning. There's so much we have lost As we walk down the road Where all the prodigals have walked One by one the enemies Whisper lies and led them off as slaves But we know that you are God Yours is the victory song and it will be my joy to say 
your will, your way, and it will be my joy to say, your will, your way, and it will be my joy to say, your will, your way, always. With this heart open wide from the depths, from the heights, I will bring a sacrifice With these hands lifted high Hear my song, hear my cry I will bring a sacrifice I will bring a sacrifice
majesty Covered by your grace so free Here I am Knowing I'm a sinful man Covered by the blood of the Lamb now I found the greatest love of all is mine. Since you laid down your life, the greatest sacrifice. Forgiven so that I can forgive Here I stand Knowing that I'm your desire Sanctified by glory and fire The greatest love of all is mine Since you laid down your life The greatest sacrifice
<laughs> Amen. Hey, I'm just worshiping. Oh, yeah. You lost a little bit. Let's, ready. Um, let's just pray. God, um, and we, we come to you. It is this time of, um, of just stopping to focus on uh, the many blessings that you've given to us. And God, as we remain standing and worship and, and, and just bask in your presence, uh, we have an order, but sometimes we get lost in your majesty. It's okay, God. Uh, help us just to continually get lost in who you are. Um, that uh, there's so much stuff in our lives. So many people, God, have been told something that they're not. They've been told that there's something less than they really are. And uh, as, I find, as I recognize that we are children of the king, and that makes us prince and princesses, and God, sometimes the world forgets to tell us that. And, and so, um, Father, you've blessed us so many ways. And again, um, if you're visiting, we don't expect you to give. We just expect you to receive what God has for you. For all of us here, we're going to ask that God uh, give a blessing upon the tithe and offering that you give. Um, but more importantly, may you uh, hear the words and just sing the words of this. Um, just uh, if you've been told you're not good enough, if you're told you're not right, if you're told you're just too weak, if you're told that you're something else, God, just hear today that, that fear is a liar and that you have a Savior who loves you so much. So God, just anoint every one of us with your presence. Send your Holy Spirit upon the gifts and the tithes. But more importantly, God, speak your word to us here today. In your name we pray. told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful and you'll never be enough. Oh, fear is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your step. Fear is a liar. He will rob your rest, steal your happiness, and cast your in the fire cause fear he is a liar when he told you you were trouble and forever be alone when he told you you should run You'll never find a home When he told you you were dirty And you should be ashamed When he told you you could be the one That grace could never change Oh, fear, he is a liar He will take your breath Stop you in your stead 
in the fire Cause fear is a light Let your fire fall and cast out all my fears Let your fire fall, your love is all I fear Let your fire fall and cast out all my fears Let your fire fall, your love is all I fear Let your fire fall and cast out all my fears Let your fire fall, your love is all I fear let your fire fall and cast out all my fears. Let your fire fall, your love is all I fear. Hope is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your fire cause fear heals the light cause fear heals the light Amen. you can all be seated no one's going anywhere right now we're going to have a, a special uh, brief presentation by our youth so as um, the youth that come up I'm going to ask them to come up right now, and as they do, um, we're going to watch this video of what they did on the youth rally.
Hi. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, good. <laughs> um, we're going to have the kids uh, tell tell you folks a little bit about what they like about youth group and that, and um, we'll start with... Uh... Hello, my name is Taylor Dixon. Throughout my youth group time, I have found my Bible verse that I incorporate into almost anything. It was also my grandfather's favorite, and he passed. So it's kind of something special to me. It is, first, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, sorry, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, and that's from John 3.16. Thank you. When I joined youth group, I didn't think I would make this many friends and do this many things. I like how my mom brings me Burger King every Sunday because I forget my lunch. Our youth group is the best. Now I'm going to read Macy's because she didn't want to come up. Youth group has given me a second family. It's also strengthened strengthened my relationship with God. When I came here, I had a lot of stuff going on, and I was able to learn to see where God was in all of it. I love our youth group. <clears throat> Before I came here, I had trouble making friends, and now I have a bunch of friends. We always have each other's backs, and we're all such great friends. They're always someone to cry with, and the next moment we're calling each other names. It's like one big family. When we went to our youth rally, my relationship with God was strengthened. I know I now talk to him every night, something I didn't do before. I can't wait to go again next year. Thanks, kids. And uh, that's just a few things that we're getting throughout the year with youth group and doing it. Um, Debbie DeVirgilio is going to explain a little bit more what we're doing, but we're trying to do sort of like World Vision, sponsor a kid um, in youth group, because we do a lot of different activities, which we both need financial support, but also a lot of prayer. So I just want to ask a few questions. So how many people are really happy with how, what society is teaching kids about life? Anybody happy about that? How about about God? What are we teaching them about God? Not a lot of great things, right? So that's why I joined youth group. That's why Jennifer does it. That's why we have some passion with the kids here uh, on it. So um, what, I, what I wanted to do as a youth group leader was to teach kids that you don't have to go through life alone, that there's a person who created them individually and loves them called Jesus, and that they're all each a very special individual person. And he wants them to help them through life. You know, getting through life is hard, but without Jesus, it's, it's really even harder. Um, so I like investing my time, talent, and energy into God and into the church. And really, it's cliche, but the kids are really the future of the church. I mean, we are the church now, and we reach out to people, but these kids are the future of the church, and if we give them a solid foundation, that's gonna make the church grow even more. So what we're asking you today is think about sponsoring a kid in our youth group so they can attend basically activities and grow in their faith and knowledge of God. I put this uh, poster together that we'll pass through here. And you can see the different activities and pass this along of uh, the different activities they do. Uh, just to list a few of them, uh, they serve at the Paris Foundation. Uh, they visit Singerly Manor um, Retirement Home. Uh, they go to Sandy Cove, and that helps them to really uh, build relationships with each other. And also they go to the Ocean City Youth Group Rally, which you saw in the video. Um, that really helps them to solidify their relationship with Jesus. Um, these activities are important to help them know that there's also a community that they can feel safe in. I mean, you heard what the kids said a lot about uh, how they're feeling. I listed a few of them. 
a few of them listed, it's a place with friends that feel like family. It's a place to ask questions about God, and it's a place to get answers. It's a place to learn to grow in faith and also to act on it. And it's a good place to share your feelings and a place to have fun and act a little silly too. So what I'm asking is that you think about investing, you know, a little bit financially. As Tom said, are really all about creating a sponsorship program for our youth. As you can imagine, um, it's expensive for the kids to be engaged in activities and to go places. But if they're not engaged in activities in the church, we don't really know what they're engaged in out in the world, right? So this gives you an opportunity to sponsor a child. Any amount will help. We're asking for monthly sponsors or one-time sponsors, but any gift that you can give, and we promise the kids are going to come back to you because one of the things the kids are going to do is really know that the church is behind them and supporting them as they grow in their faith. So we're going to make sure that the kids give you updates. You might get a handwritten letter or a note card. You might get a presentation up here. But you will know that you're making a difference in the lives of the youth today. And I want to let you know, you saw all the kids in the video. We just happen to have a few today because it's winter and everybody's getting sick. So a lot of them are out today but know that you are making a difference. So if you'd like to fill out this form, we would love to have you um, support our youth in any way that, that fits your budget and that fits um, what you think of the youth and what they're doing. So thank you for your support. And if you have any questions, Jennifer is the leader and Tom is the leader. So feel free to ask them any questions. So thanks again. We have these gowns that we give to the hospital for those that are stillborn um, and other kinds of things. So uh, Lisa Osborne has taken that upon herself as a ministry, and many have contributed to that. So we asked uh, Debbie if she would to pray over those, and then we'll continue with our service today. All right. So these, you, these gowns are for babies that are born stillborn or pass away shortly after they're born. Um, and as you can imagine, the pain that a family's going through, and especially they may not realize that that's what's going to happen. So obviously they're not prepared when they go to the hospital. They don't have a burial gown, essentially. So these are gowns that have been made. They've, they're all hand-sewn. Um, and I know Lisa would love to have more sewers if you're a gifted sewer or maybe not so gifted. I have trouble sewing buttons on. But um, if you're a gifted person in that area and you'd like to get involved, we've given gowns now to Cecil County, to Union Hospital. We've given them to the hospital in Bel Air, and now these are going to AI DuPont. So join with me as we pray over these gowns and send them off to the families that will receive them. Dear precious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the hands that have sewn each of these gowns. We pray, Lord, for the families that are going to ultimately receive them. We pray that you'll be with these families, you'll comfort them, you'll support them, and you'll let them know that you're there 
and that you've walked through this too. You've, you've given up a son. You know what it feels like to have a child pass away. We pray, Lord, that you would be with these families and guide them. And we pray that, Lord, through the gift of these gowns, that they would know that there are people who love them and that you love them most of all. We just pray that you'll use these as a tool to minister to their spirits and that you'll be with each family and love them in a way that only you can do. Let them know that you care and wrap your arms around them. And we just praise you. And we pray that you'll be with the families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, at this time our children can go ahead to our Haven kids and everyone else just greet one another if you will. Today's verse comes from Joshua 2.1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. All right, we have a couple uh, prayer requests here today that we want to go ahead and deal with. Uh, Joanna has asked for prayer and healing um, in Haiti uh, to be with Ron and family as they continue to grieve. Um, and go through the nephew's belongings, who passed away very suddenly. Um, and Joanna said, I thank you to Wayne for all you do at Haven. Wherever you are, Wayne, you got to thank you. Um, prayers for the, uh, from Scott and Jen Arrow from the Bolden family and the loss of their father and husband, 
on a tragic accident while he was on vacation on Thursday. Carol Henson asked for prayers for Derek and Alicia. Um, pray, uh, praise for the birth of Edwin Allen. I think Neon, is that the noon? Neon? I can't read. Um, uh, prayers for um, uh, mom, dad, and baby as, um, as the Edwin will also need heart surgery when it needs to be determined. So prayers for them and the doctor. Um, for Lisa, for the 15 children in Haiti who died in the um, orphanage that was there with a fire. Um, and, uh, and Port-au-Prince. Not from our church family, but still we want to continue to lift them up in prayers. From Phyllis Davis, her son Rich is having um, heart surgery on Wednesday. Um, and this is a praise and prayers for the heart doctor as well. All right, we know that there are several other prayers. We also want to continue to lift up the Underwood family in the passing of Sylvia Underwood. Um, they had uh, Pine Valley uh, Christmas Tree Farm and Johnsey and the family who's usually over here. It's Johnsey's mother. So continue to lift them in your prayers. Let's go to Lord in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time of prayer. We um, want to ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us during this time. And Father, um, we know that there's time of loss. Uh, every week we come and ask you for, uh, for just giving peace during time of loss, giving strength during time of weakness, and um, ultimately just helping us to trust and lean more on you in all that you do. And so, God, during this time, minister to every one of those needs that we've lifted up. We thank you for the gifts of many people who serve and, uh, and seek you. And so, God, in all things, may we glorify your name. And everybody says, amen. All right. How is everybody today? That was pretty lame. How good are you? There we go, much better, okay. All right, so we are in week four of our study called Running with the Big Dogs, in case somebody's like, here for the first week, why are they showing dogs on a screen? Okay, so um, we're, um, we're running with the big dogs, and we've um, based this off of Hebrews chapter 11, which is nicknamed the Hall of Fame of Faith, where uh, they list several people who are in the Hall of Fame of Faith, and by faith this one did that, by faith that one did this. And so we've studied three. The first week, we lifted up Samson. Remember Samson? I got real swole at the end, remember? Um, so we had Samson. Then we talked about Esther. Remember her uh, for such a time as this? Last week, we talked about Elisha, not Elijah, um, but we talked about them. And so we've been following this Hebrews Hall of Fame of Faith, and, we've, and our theme verse for this has been this verse right here from Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that we have all these uh, heroes of faith and others that are cheering us on, um, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Because in life, am I right, there's stuff that hinders us. Am I right, that drags us down, that keeps us from running this race. And the sin that so easily entangles and he says, so we, we need to go ahead and throw those things off, and we need to let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. So we can't give up. we got to keep going on, and we have a race that God has marked out for us, and we have that crowd that is cheering, <sighs> but we can't hear individuals. So the premise of this, um, if you want to read, uh, read more about this kind of stuff, there's a couple great books um, by John Maxwell called Running with the Giants, um, which I kind of got the idea from this series. Um, he has that, and he has Women of the Bible, I think it is. Some really good, he has like one and two more Running with the Giants and all kinds of stuff like that. Great, great stuff. Um, but when we're in the crowd, it pumps us up when we're doing something, but we can't hear the instruction. So the premise is, 
What if we pulled one of these big dogs of faith out of the crowd and they were able to, 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 in the race of life, go one lap around with us? What would they tell us? How would they instruct us? And how could they help us to keep going on? So I promise you, whether you like it or not, that each week since we're talking about big dogs, I give you a, a dog joke. Are you ready today? All right. So there was a man who had a dog and he came home one day and his dog was upside down with his legs in the air. He wasn't sure if it was alive or not, so he took it to the vet. And he told the vet, here's my problem. I'm not sure what's going on. The vet said, well, there's a surefire way to find out whether the dog is indeed passed. So he left the room, the doctor did, and the vet did, and he returned with a cat. And he rubbed the, the dog's face with the cat and went all the way down to his belly and up his legs, and he determined, yeah, I'm sorry, your dog has passed. And the man was very upset, and he said, okay, doc, thanks for letting me know. Um, how much do I owe you? And he said, that'll be $550. He said, excuse me, $550 for that? He said, well, it's 50 for the visit and 500 for the CAT scan. Anyway. Hey, I didn't say they were going to be good jokes. I think that's funny. Cat scan? You will be thinking about that later and we'll laugh, I guarantee you. All right. Or you might moan, hey, I got a reaction out of you. That's That's good in church, right? All right. So we're talking about running our race with perseverance. And today we're going to talk about Rahab. Many don't know a lot about Rahab, but Rahab is important. Matter of fact, she is included in the Hall of Fame of Faith in chapter 11. And Rahab was a prostitute. However, she was also in the lineage of one of the great-grandmothers of Jesus. So how did she go from Jericho prostitute to in the lineage of Jesus himself? And so we're going to pull her out of the stands today and say, come on, Rahab, come on down, run a, run a, a lap with us. And she's probably going to say something like this to us. You know, my life didn't start out so well. She probably says, you know, there was times that my life just was falling apart. And she'd probably say this, when you feel and you're feeling disappointed with your life. And many of us might be here right now just feeling very disappointed with how this has turned out. That we just don't like the way our story has been written so far. We thought that there would be another ending. You remember back years ago when you would have a yearbook and where are you going to be in 20 years? How'd that turn out for you? A little bit different? You notice nothing was horrible in there that we wrote, we thought it was all going to be positive. And so our life story, we think, it's not been written so well. So when we look further into this, we need to have our story written by God. Matter of fact, Psalm 139 says, all my days for you are written in God's book. And you may say, excuse me, God wrote this horror story? That God wrote this? I don't think. Can he please go back and re? rewrite some stuff. And sometimes I think, you know, if you're like me, you might add a couple chapters that God didn't want to write there. Anybody else add add an addendum and write something that probably took, remember choose your own adventure? You chose your own adventure and you ended up way off path and you're like, I don't like the way this story is going. And so God did not write that section of our lives. God writes a beautiful story for us And we just add chapters. And so Rahab may tell us today that, you know, although my life story started off not so good and not so well, that God rewrote my story 
And it wasn't how I started, but how God wrote the final ending of this whole entire story. So let's look to what she would say to us today. She would say, when you're feeling disappointed with your life, let God write your story. Let God write your story. Give him the pen. Give him the computer. You be the blank page and let God write the story. And if we look further today, Hebrews chapter 12, where we stopped our verse here, it tells us after this, um, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, uh, when it talks about that stuff, it, the next verse says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Anybody know what the next two words are? The author and perfecter of our faith. That means we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, be cheered on by those um, that went before, and let Jesus write the rest of our life and be the author of our life. You see, Rahab's story gives us a few keys to God writing our story and how that can change the end of the narrative. So how does it begin, you may say? Okay, how do we begin? So let's look at God's story. It begins, one of the things that I've learned and that we learned from Rahab's story is God hunts for you to be in the story. God searches for you and hunts out for you. We put the pen in God's hand and let him search you out. You know, I can tell you, as I look back on my own life, I can see several times when God was searching me out. I was raised in church from the moment I was probably born. I was taken uh, to church. At the age of five, I accepted Christ at the altar of Christ Church, Christ United Methodist Church in Federalsburg. I, w I was involved in youth weekends and everything, and I had these high points. And then in college, I decided to play Jonah for a while. Anybody give me an amen to that one, right? I went, went, to, uh, went to Jonah route, decided I didn't like the, um, the belly, so I went down to the tail and ended up vomited up on a beach somewhere far from where God wanted me. That's the chapters that I wrote to my life, okay? Some of you may know them. I'm not going to share them here today. Go ahead. You can probably figure them out. But guess what? Those were the stories that I wrote in my life. And what it did, it took me on a path that was winding and around. You ever gotten lost? And men just say yes, okay? You ever gotten lost and you say, oh, we just keep going here and we'll get there. Oh, just, just keep going here and we'll do that. Oh, no, just, just, just a little bit further up. And you ever been lost and then run out of gas? Okay, uh, women are going, no, not me. Men are like, yeah, sh sh move on, okay. Um, but yes, you know, there's times in our life where we've been lost. Just like uh, on the roads, there's also times in our life where we get lost in our faith. We get lost in all different types of things that, um, that we do while we're writing different areas. And what I found out that several times in my life, one time uh, at college, I was lost. I was extremely depressed, um, I was in the midst of a world that I should not be in, and yet God came hunting for me in those moments. God never stopped hunting for me, and he found me. When I was even a pastor, and I was, um, whether it was at school, but when I was a pastor and I was in the midst of serving churches, there was a moment in my life that I was so lost and, and depressed and, and just off that, you know, I was praying the same prayer that Elijah prayed, oh Lord, just come get me. You know, I'm done with this. Come get me. I was praying the rest of the Jonah prayer that God just, I'm so angry I could die. One of those kind of things. And yet God showed up and gave me a vision for this place as I cut grass. And Rahab, who is in this hall of uh, fame of, of faith, Rahab, life started kind of lost. She was living in Jericho, the oldest city in the world. 
And she was a prostitute. And she lived in the wall of Jericho. And Joshua was going to do battle against Jericho, but they were a walled city. And they were very powerful by being walled. It was their protection. So Joshua sent two spies to go size it up first and see what they were dealing with. And then it said, right here, here's the verse from Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. And so you know, Joshua had no parents because he was son of none. Get it? Just joking. All right. I'm full of them today, okay? Then, dad jokes, okay? Uh, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent spies from Shittim. He said, go, look over the land. He said, especially Jericho, all right? The next verse says, so they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. You see, what well, they could have gone anywhere, but God wanted them to go to Rahab's house. God sought them to go to Rahab. Of all the people they could have gone in, in that area, they went. The same thing that God is searching for you now. We hear this in Revelation where he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. You see, Jesus could kick down that door if he wanted to. You see, he came through a tomb. And death. He could kick down that door. But I always love the artist. We all kind of picture that artist with Jesus knocking on the door. You know they never put a knob on there to open the door because we have to open our heart. You see, Jesus is not going to kick down that door. He's just saying, hello, is today the day? Is Sunday the day? Is today in, in February 16th, is that the day? Hello, I'm knocking. Well, maybe, maybe not today, but maybe tonight. Are you going to go ahead and give your life to me? He's knocking and he's knocking and he's knocking. But there is a warning here. And we don't talk about this part. Scripture says the Spirit of God will not remain with man forever. And so what we see is God, and, and Jesus showed this, that when he went to areas and people wouldn't receive him, he moved on. And here's the thing. God will knock at the door of your heart, and there's that time for that. But you may go ahead and say, no, 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 no. And you say, all right, well, I'm just going to move on to that calling, to the area of your life. In John 15, 16, it says this. You did not choose me, but what? I chose you. Chose you for what? Chose and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. You see, Jesus is seeking each one of you out. In, in life, and he, want, he has a plan for your life. And so what would Rahab say? She'd say, I was continuing with all the pain and all the sorrow and all the roughness of my life, the lostness of my life, and God sent somebody my way because he was seeking for me. The second thing that I think she would say to us as we're making that lap around is she would say, God always makes a way for us to be in his story. God always makes a way for us to be in her story. There's, God will open up a, a door, or my grandmother used to say, God doesn't close a door where he doesn't open a window. Like, for instance, we don't, not, not many of us came here today by climbing through our windows, did we, to get out of the house. But if that sucker was on fire, you're darn right, you would climb out that window, am I right? And so a lot of times, we forget that our lives, that there's this stuff around here, and God gives us a way to connect to his story. And so the spies uh, came to Rahab. And they told her this. They said, they spent time with her, and they said, hey, listen, we are viewing the land, and we are coming back, and we're going to destroy this whole place. So we're going we're to wipe Jericho out. And she says, um, excuse me, I don't want to die. And they say, okay. All right, so you will be sweared if 
you, you'll be spared if you swear to this oath. What is that oath? Here it is. Now the men said to her, this is the oath you made us swear. It will, uh, will, uh, will not be binding on us unless we enter the land. Then she says, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let down. So what happens here is they tell her, here's what you got to do. In order for us to know not to destroy this house and everybody else, you take a scarlet cord, you hang out the window, and we'll see it. We'll say, okay, we'll go back and tell everybody, leave that one alone. Do not go ahead and touch that. Now, for us, scarlet cord, we say, okay, um, whatever, which, um, which is actually interesting how the world perverts things. This is why you have red light districts and things, because of the scarlet cord where there's in prostitution areas. But really, what it is throughout Scripture is simply this. It is a reference to God's provision and God's blessing. Throughout the Old Testament, the, the priest and the Day of Atonement will wear a scarlet cord around them, symbolizing the blood that was sacrificed for the sins of the people. Throughout history, it is a, and throughout the rest of the Bible, it is a vision in looking toward the covering from the blood of Jesus on the cross. And so, ultimately, we can, we can go ahead and, uh, you know, God can come to us, but until we recognize that he has made a way for us to get into his story, and that way is through his son, Jesus Christ, who by his own life gave up his life and shed his blood for you and me, then we're still going to miss this point. Look at what else. But see, here's the other part to this. Look at what it says here. But if you snitch, that's Jack's version, but if you tell what we're doing, we will be released from the oath you made swear to us. Agreed, she said. Let it be as you say. In other words, they could have come back to Jericho. That red cord couldn't have been there. And what would have happened? What would have happened? She would have died with all the rest of them. But the miracle upon miracles is so amazing that when they went ahead and they went and they attacked this area, the rest of the story is great. And I challenge you to go. And if you really want to pick it up on, in uh, Joshua chapter 6, anybody remember this? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho. Come on, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling. Right, remember that? The walls came tumbling down. And that's what happened. And here's what's amazing. Joshua, and Joshua, Joshua 6, 22. It tells us how Rahab is spared, that everything else fell down except for that one part that was hers. Okay? Um, so much so that Joshua said, hey, go in there and find everything but that one. So look at what she did. She followed up with this oath and said, she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. You notice she didn't wait till the next day to think about it. You notice she didn't wait till she heard them coming. She did it right away. Today, God's been knocking for you, and he's saying, hey, here's the way to get into my story. Accept my son Jesus, his blood. Let that cover your life, and let that make you new. She was the only person, she and her family, as the scripture says, uh, that uh, Joshua said, go kill everybody, everything in the town, except for bring out Rahab and her family and all who live there. You see, she was brought out, brought out, and the only person in the and her family were saved. If you don't like your story, Jesus is seeking you out, but here's the other part. The only way out of your story is Jesus. She applied what, the way that God had provided for her to be saved and to have a way out. And many of us live in this time, well, you know what? I don't like how my, 
Dory is. I don't like it at all. But if I just get a new job, if I just get a, a locate, relocate to a new place, if I get a new significant other, if I get something different, if I buy this car, if I get that thing, then my life story will be written better. And that is all lies from the enemy. In Romans chapter 8, It says, and we know, isn't it great that we know this thing? That in how many things? This is a verse we've used several times. In what? In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called to his and according to his purpose. And remember he said, you did not call me, I called you. You notice how scripture builds upon scripture? That he says, hey, knock, knock, I'm knocking at the door of your heart, I'm calling for you, and when you take the way God has, then we know that he's going to work in all things for us, and he can make a way. So many of us get so caught up in our story and we forget. We look almost to just salvation as escaping hell. You know, Rahab could only uh, could have been the only one saved by following the situation. Here's the thing that we're saying. That if Rahab had only just accepted salvation and she was probably like, whew, remember what she said first? Hey, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. He said, okay, here's the agreement. I don't want to die. And Rahab was just looking for her, she and her family to be saved. But God had so much more for her story. Her story went from just being saved, this prostitute just from being saved, from being annihilated, to being that she is in the lineage of Jesus himself. That is one heck of a story and a change in a story. And so often we look at salvation and we look at, at the cross as, whoo, Jesus, I want to accept you. Thank God. Now I don't have to burn. Turn or burn, turn or burn. That's what I want to do. I want to turn so I don't burn. All right? I I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to H-E double hockey sticks. I don't want any of that. So I'm going to accept you, Jesus. All right. But then we forget that our story, God has so much more for us and always had had so much more for us. And he wants so much more for us. And we don't realize that God has more for us. The third thing that I believe that Rahab will be saying to us is God's story always has a redeeming ending. A redeeming ending. That it's better than you think. I'm reminded about this very rich man who died. And in his will, um, he said when his dog died, his dog was to be provided an equally amazing funeral. And whoever did the funeral would get $1 million. Well, the dog died, and the uh, executor of the will started calling various different faiths and called around. And everybody said, no, we do not do dog funerals. I'm sorry. That's just not what we do. Not at all. And so finally the executor decided, well, I'm going to call that little country preacher and ask him. And he said, uh, sir, I'm calling you. And he explained to him that, you know, this dog had died and, He said, no, sir, we do people things. We don't do dog funerals. And he said, okay, well, if you could help me out, um, do you know anyone who would? Because whoever does this funeral will get $1 million. To that, the country preacher said, oh, I didn't realize he was a Christian dog. (laughs) All right? So sometimes we don't see the rest of the story. Sometimes we only get part of the story, and we forget that redeeming means that it's better than we think it is. Not just sins forgiven, but giving our heart to Jesus for having him to write the rest of our spiritual journey. You see, uh, God is is watching in the midst of this, in this whole story, and he's writing. That when Rahab, through the pain and the suffering and everything else of her connecting as being a prostitute, as being the dregs of society at the point, God saw something else in her. 
And so the next time we hear um, Rahab is in Matthew. We hear her through this, and then we hear her in Matthew's gospel. And Matthew is one of the two gospels that starts with a genealogy. And it's very interesting. Matthew starts with Father Abraham. Remember him? There's another Sunday school. Father Abraham. Okay, remember that? So he starts with Abraham. And Matthew writes 42 generations of men until Jesus, from Abraham to Jesus. Yet, and so he's, he's telling of his grandfathers in this situation. And then he just inserts in this genealogy four grandmothers or females. And you say, why? Why in the world? 42, because guess what? There had to be 42 females then to get here. So he goes, why do you think he picked four in that whole thing. Let's look at this scripture. Let's look at what Matthew is trying to say. I think because Matthew was a tax collector and his story started off pretty badly and he said when he came to an encounter with Jesus, he had a different story. Look at what he says. He said, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, the mother of, um, was Tamar. And I challenge you, Genesis 38, it is one of the most uh, ruthless, horrific stories of what happens to somebody in their life. It is a dark, uh, horrific story and yet, um, she is in the lineage of Jesus. Um, Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, who was the mother of Rahab. There she is, who we're talking about. Boaz, um, the mother of Obed, whose mother was, anybody remember this lady? Ruth. Ruth was not even a, a Jew. She was an outsider. She was a, a widow at, that, had, uh, that just stuck around to her mother, and she ended up being in the lineage of Jesus. Why did Matthew put it there? I think he put it there to say, hey, even if you're an outsider, you can be part of God's story. Even if you're an outsider, you can be part of God's story. And you should like that a lot better than what your reaction. Then you have this one right here. And then he says, uh, Father Salmon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Anybody know who that is? That's Bathsheba. Bathsheba was the one whose husband, Uriah, was out fighting for David. She was bathing on the roof. And David said, mm-hmm, I want some of that. And the king got what he wanted. And he got that. She got pregnant. He tried to pass it off on her husband. But the husband said, no, not while my, uh, while my men are out there fighting. David tried to get him drunk and tried to send him in. Still wouldn't work. So David then sent him to the front line so he would be killed. And then he went ahead and took her as his wife. You see, she was passive to, all the, to much, of, much of the stuff from what we know in Scripture. And so here she is, the victim of the king. And her husband killed. So, so here she is. Does this sound like gems to put in the genealogy of Jesus? Why in the world would Matthew put these people here? Because I think through the story of Tamar, God wanted to tell us something very important, that God will forgive your worst sin no matter what it is. That through Rahab's story, that God will use you regardless of what past you've had. And that in Ruth's story, that God will not leave anyone out at all. And then through Bathsheba, that God can heal any single situation. I'm gonna, you need, we need to see that again. That God will forgive your worst sin. God will, um, will uh, bring you in and use you regardless of your past. God will not leave anyone out. And God can heal any single situation. That in other words, what you need to hear today is God can rewrite your story if you don't like it right now. No matter what has happened to you, no matter what you have done, no matter where you came from, no matter what the situation, God loves you and wants to rewrite your story. And so as we reach this finish line of this one lap around, Rahab begins to make her way to the stands once again. And as she's making her way to the stands, she has a couple other things that she just wants to say, and she yells out, hey, Jack, I want to tell you one other thing. You can fill your name in. I've got to tell you one more thing. She says, God invites you to be part of a story 
So join him. Join him. In other words, if you want to marry something else, say yes to God. Stop resisting him. Stop resisting God in everything that he wants. I would say there's somebody here you have had on your heart, something God has placed on your heart. There's a calling that he's placed on your life, and you've been resisting him for far too long. Join him in all that. In John chapter 8, Jesus, you say, how can I, Jack? My life is just filled with such darkness. You don't think Rahab's was? Look at what Jesus said. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, how do I get to that? Let's go to Luke chapter 9. And then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. In other words, take up your cross simply means giving the pen of your, of your life to him. Say, God, write the rest of the story. I can't do it anymore. I've made a mess of it. Here you go. Write it. And he's going to start to write and rewrite your story. You know, salvation is surrendering your life and the pen to the author. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whatever loses their life for me will save it. You know, when you trust God, trusting in God sometimes feels like, huh, no way possible. I can't let go. No way. If it's scary, right? Isn't it scary? You feel like you're losing something sometimes when you start to follow God. But when you lose it, you will save it. God has so much more planned for you, as Rahab says. In other words, give your life to God because he can do more with it than you and I can. Number two, she's got her foot up, getting ready to step on. She's saying, oh, wait, wait, there's, there's another thing that I got. God wants to surprise you with his love. Anybody celebrate love this past week? God wants to surprise you with his love. So she says, just accept him. Accept that love that he has. Rahab, of all the people in Jericho, God decides to pick her. A couple weeks, we're going to talk about a guy named Moses, a stutterer who God uses to speak for his people. A guy named Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who is a murderer of Christians. We could go on and on and on again. I think God gets a kick out of using messed up people. And so guess what? Welcome to the club. God loves to use messed up people. And you may sit here right now, and I've had people say this to me before. I've had people who say, who've, who've talked about things and needed advice, and, you know, ultimately I'm not a counselor. I'm a pastor, so I'm going to give you what I got. And, as they, and I don't believe that we can ever get to, to fullness and completeness apart from Christ. And so I've had hundreds of people over the years say, there's no way God can love me. You know why? Because like that song we sang, Fear is a Liar, people have been told they're not good enough. They're told they're too weak. They're told they're useless. They're told they're a mistake. And people from little kids to uh, he-men to older adults have lived their entire lives feeling that they're not good enough and that God can't possibly love them. Well, I tell you to go to the genealogy of Jesus because God loved Tamar enough for her to be in the lineage. He loved Ruth enough to bring her in from outside. Loved Rahab enough. To not look at what she did or how she lived, but who she was and who she could be. And he loved Bathsheba enough to say, I can take care of all that hurt and restore you. You see, Satan will try to ruin you in part by keeping fear to come in and keep you from God's love. The biggest tool of Satan is fear keeping us from God's love. Why? Do all these people seem to be there? Because I believe that we need to know there is no place, 
Nothing that we can do. Nothing, no place we can go. Nothing we can say that will separate us from the love of Christ. And we need to embrace that. You may say, well, God doesn't understand. I'm going to tell you, yes, he does. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says this. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all. All but the sin. So what do we need to do? So let us walk right up to him and get what he's so ready to give. I love this statement in the message version. Take the mercy and accept the help. Just receive what God has for you. Rahab, she's getting close to her seat, and she goes, oh, wait a second. And the crowd noise is starting to cloud out. She runs back down, and she's got to yell something else. She says, you know, God wants you to love others, too, with action. Just like when those spies came to me, I could have turned them over, but God sent them to me, and I loved them and served them in the best way I could by, by listening to them and obeying what God had called me. And so she says, the best part of the story is not that I was saved, but that I get to be forever talked about in the lineage of Jesus. See, God has a plan for your life. We talked about this several times. And he wants to fix your story. And when God fixes your story, he uses it as a story to focus on others in similar situations. i got to tell you something that's been coming to me a lot lately is when people are struggling in life, when it's bad for them, they'll often say this, well, maybe God can use my story for something else. And their life is falling apart. But I don't believe God has us fall apart so that we can say, okay, don't do this or do this. I think what God does is we go through the, I think the enemy causes us tragedy and causes us to fall apart and causes us to struggle so that Jesus can rewrite a better story so that the better story is what gives testimony to the greatness of our God. You see the difference there? And so let us walk up and accept that. Let's accept what God has for us. You know, one of the things that has always kind of bugged me is that people have always said, well, let me get my act together and then I'll do this. We're going to be waiting till glory for that to happen. You're never going to get your life together. We're still working on it. We're still waiting. I'm, I'm still waiting for God to clean up this mess. Anybody in the same boat with me? And so we have that. You know, and I, and I find this interesting. And, you know, like, for instance, we're all sickos in the same hospital, right? You know, and some people forget that. I'm not going to go into the details of the story, but I actually had somebody come up to me. It was a pastor who spoke to me two times in my life that decided, based off of a rumor, to say something to help me get my life corrected. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to tell them where they could go. And it wasn't heaven. I'm just letting you know that. Because, number one, you have no right to my life. Just because you have reverend there doesn't mean that you have a right on my life. There's other people that have right to my life because of who they are. They know the struggles I've been through. They know the struggles about trying to please people over life. They can speak time to me. And so what I said to this person is, I hope that you meant that from a good place. But I have spent years trying to please everybody. And the only person that i got to please, his name is Jesus. Right? And when we live that way, we get part of God's story. Do you think that anything Tamar could have ever done could have pleased the people around them? No, but she pleased God. Do you think Rahab could do anything to please the people around them? No, but she pleased God. Do you think Bathsheba could do anything? No, but she pleased God. Do you think Ruth could have done anything to make her more Jewish and acceptable? No, but they served a great and amazing God. And God wants us to love one another in our actions. And we don't need to, we got to stop forgetting. Christians have great amnesia. We got to stop forgetting that all of us sin and fall short of God's glory. 
and we need to love other people. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay our life down for our brothers and our sisters. So dear children, let us not love with words or speech. Boy, is it easy to say I love you. But with action and with truth. You see, I don't have to question whether God loves me. I, and, and when people say, there's no way God could love me, I take that so for granted because I know by his action and his truth, he said, I love you this much. And he nailed his, had his hands and feet nailed to a cross and he died and rose again for me. That is love. That is the greatest amount of love. Martin Luther King had a quote and said this, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. There's an area where God is calling you to, to be at, to serve, and to love him. Now, again, I'm going to give you the last uh, scripture verse before I give you the blank, and you know why. All right, so here we go. Look at what it says here in Timothy. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And Paul writes, and I am the worst of all of them. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Isn't that amazing what Paul writes there? He said, God had an incredible amount of patience with me, and God has an incredible amount of patience with you, but he's called you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, from Rahab and this story, we can learn a lot. From Paul, we can learn a lot. That even in the worst of sinners, God wants to use us as prime examples of his greatness. Why does he use this? So that then others can realize that too. And they can believe in him and receive eternal life. You know, we've been existing a long time with mouth speak. But man, we have, we, we, we're short on the, on the right story that God has written for us. And why does God do this for us? Simply for this. To all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king and the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen, which means so be it. All God wants to do is just say, hey, tell him I'm the author. And as our worship team comes up, guess how he tells him the author? He signs and autographs your life. He puts that stamp of approval. Anybody ever had a book autographed by the author? Isn't it kind of cool? You, if it's somebody that you really like and you go up and they sign I remember one of my boyhood heroes when I was growing up. I loved baseball. And my, one of my boyhood heroes was Pete Rose. Loved him. Loved the way he played the game. Um, didn't like the way he bet on the game, but anyway, I loved the way he played the game. I loved his heart for it. His nickname was Charlie Hustle because he, he showed me just like that the game, he was going to put all of it into it. And when it came to the, when, when I was uh, in my early 20s, my parents, he was up at a, a card show. My parents gave me a, a gift for my birthday that I could get two things signed by Pete Rose. And this is right after he broke the record of Ty Cobb. And I was so excited. I actually gave him a birthday card, which he took and moved on the side. But when I thought about that. Um, but I, he, he went ahead and um, I gave him the thing and he signed it. And I was like, wow. Now this, this bat is worth something more because it's authentic. He signed it. Oh, this, this poster is authentic because it, was, it didn't only have the picture of, of him on there, but he signed it. You see, if you want an authentic life, if you want a life that has greater value, let the author sign his name to it. Let the author give a, that autograph on there so that you, he can say, look, I know how your story started off, but I'm rewrote it. 
And I'm the author and the perfecter of your faith. And just thank him for it. Just thank him for it. That's all he needs. Let's stand today and let's worship the Lord. As Rahab sat down, when we stand up and when we learn from her life. Lord God, as we are here today, we hear the voice of Rahab. Somebody who dealt with so much pain and um, just misdirection. And, and God, she, there was times where she probably, you know, I can think about every time that she had somebody who was there to fulfill her need and to make money for her family as a prostitute. There's pain and there's suffering and there was loss and there was direction and there was depression. And she probably thought there was no way that she could ever have a life worth anything. She was not only disappointed, she was destroyed at her life. And then, God, you sought her out. And you made a covenant with her, made a way out. And you taught her all kinds of things and and God, now she goes down in history as one of the great women of faith, but not only a great women of faith, but she goes down as someone who is the grandmother, a great-grandmother in the lineage of you, lineage of Jesus himself. For some of us here today, God, we feel that pain, we feel that struggle, we feel that suffering. And maybe even worse, maybe we even have a story like Tamar. Or maybe we feel an outsider like Ruth. Or maybe we just feel used and and abused like somebody like Bathsheba. God, maybe we've bought into fear, we bought into the lies about who we are, that we, we're so just, just caught in the story that's been, that we wrote or has been written for us by something else, that we can't find a way out. And we're just accepting you, and, and we may have accepted you as our Savior and just say, Lord, take me now so I, I can be done with this and just go on to heaven. But God, help us see that you just want the pen to our life. And you want to write a better story. A story that's stronger. A story of, of greatness and love. A story of victory. And that God, you want to sign your name to it. To give us authenticity. And to give us worth. Because we're your children. And you love us. Because greater love has no one than this. And he lays down his life for his friends. And that's what you did. So God, hear our hearts today. We may even be the people who are sitting there and we're afraid to raise our hand to make a commitment. We're afraid to come down forward because we're afraid we're going to whisk us away to some room and we don't know what happens there. Maybe later tonight, God, we're somewhere and they, we hear that knock. He says, tonight's the time. Come on, Rahab. Just throw the cord out the window and accept the way I've given you. And I promise I will write a better story for your life. So God, here's my life. Here's my story. Rewrite it. Write it by your hand in your life. I'm reminded of the old hymn. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. God, may we just praise and glorify the author and the perfecter of our faith. For eyes not seen and ears not heard what you have prepared for those who love you. So this altar's open. This room is open. May our hearts be open for the author to begin to write upon our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.
Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me, who the sun sets free, who is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me, I'm a child. I am who you 
How about that? No matter what, no matter who you are, Rahab was told everything different. Everything differently in her life. And many people every single day are told they are something else but who they are. And that is a child of God. And until we embrace that as people of God and recognize, hey, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I am a child of God. And in my father's house, there is a place for me. There is no place that I, that too far that I can go from the love of God. There is nothing that I have done that can keep me from the love of God. Because my daddy, my daddy loves me. And he is always waiting for me. He is the prodigal father. That when I go and I do what I need to, and I come back and I say, well, maybe I'll be a slave. He says, kill the fatted calf. My son has returned home. And if we don't ever get that, we have lost the whole meaning of the gospel. It doesn't matter how many we feed. doesn't matter how many, uh, many drug-addicted things we serve. If we don't get the fact that we are children of God and our father loves us, we miss it all. And that's the story of Rahab. And that's the story of Tamar. And that's the story of Jack Cohen. And that's the story of each one of you. That in my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. So go from this place today. Next week, Sarah is on board. But here's what you're going to hear. Go from this place, not as people who just attended church, but go out in this stinking world and tell them that you're a child of God and your father loves you.